Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santa, joined, as always, by the Olivia to my new, and it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> I hate this intro so much. <laughs> and, our very, and our very own John. That's right. Uh, That's really your name, dude. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Like, it works there. on so many It works on so many levels. Eric Ronovec. Eric, how you doing, uh, buddy? I'm doing great. Doing great. Welcome, uh, welcome back, even though you were here last week, too. That's right. <laughs> Glad to still be here uh, for now. Glad, glad to still be alive. Uh, we, we made it. Uh, all right. So, see, this is this is what we're getting into it now. So, this is the last week where we won't have a Seahawks football game to talk about, but we kind of do have we a have Seahawks football game to talk about. We kind of do have a Seahawks football game to talk about. The mock game. So, this last uh, was it Saturday, Saturday? I do believe. I went. I went to go to a Mariners game, and uh, I had kind of forgotten about the mock game. I'd forgotten it existed. And I said, why are there so many people in Seahawks jerseys going to this Mariners game? Then I was like, oh, wait, the Mott game is today, too. So I I went and saw the Mariners. I was at the game they won against the Angels in that doubleheader. So don't blame don't blame me. It's not my fault. Um, But but uh, yeah, the the Mott game was this Saturday. Uh, I want to give big props to uh, it was like Metcat something russell metcat or something like that it was a uh, on twitter posted like a that's million cool. cell phone videos of this of this uh, mock game and uh, that's that's the coverage i got the coverage <laughs> i got was some guy sitting on the in the fifth row with a cell phone uh, on the 40 russell metcat uh and he's just he's taking the taking the 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 the, the, the shots for me so that's what i got i got i watched the game through that lens uh, I would say not the best way to uh, to analyze a football game, but uh, you know what? We do it. We do what we can, and uh, I think I think uh, there was enough. There's enough meat on the bone for for uh, for me to get with that. Plus, what the uh, what everyone's talking about. Plus the stats. I'm able to kind of piece something together. So let's start with the big question. And there are other people who say that they don't care about the quarterback battle for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I think it was Brian Nemhauser from Hawkblogger said, these guys are Uber drivers. Do you agree with that assessment, Eric? Are these guys just Uber drivers getting us to the next season? Or does this quarterback draft actually matter? What do you think? I think it matters because Pete thinks it matters. If we're sitting here saying that we're going to, uh, you know, what, tank for Bedard. That's a hockey term, but still, uh, you know, tank for the best quarterback, tank for one of the top two picks. Um, I honestly don't feel like Pete wants to do that. I think Pete really feels he can compete and make the playoffs. And he's like, if you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Um, so for that reason, no, I, I kind of can't believe that, even though I kind of want that to be the case. I really want us to strike gold with a young quarterback and start winning games convincingly again. And I want to do it with Pete, but I just don't think that's the reality of what this organization is trying to do. And maybe they're just, they're really fooling me. So you don't think there's like you think there's like a true zero percent chance that at the end of the day we say, oh yeah, it turns out Drew Lock might be like an actually good quarterback. Like there that you you're already kind of resigned to saying that that is not a thing. I'm 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 I think that might be what they they think in the front office. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Kevin? Do you, do you think that they uh, do you think that that's it? Is it is it is there zero, no chance that Drew Lock is actually uh, a guy? Because like I think that. The, the hope from some from there's a segment of Seahawks fans who hope that deep down he's the next Ryan Tannehill, right? Ryan Tannehill was the last guy who kind of um, he Took sucked to start his me. career, uh, was really poorly coached at the beginning of his career and then moved away from from Mr. Suck himself, Adam Gase, and <laughs> became like a real quarterback. So is, is that what um is that is there any chance of that here, or is this, is this a is this are you are you you also see them as kind of uh, you know just carrying us to the next season? Uh, I think it's a matter of it. I think what it will determine is how desperate we are to get that next quarterback. If we end up in a situation where maybe the draft picks fall a little later, and with the quarterbacks that come out, the team doesn't feel like there's uh, an ability to go up and get the guy. Will they feel like Drew Locke is good enough? to roll another season with or kind of start things with, can he be our Alex Smith? I, and uh, I I feel like that's kind of what we're looking for. Like not exactly the same profile of like talent, 
but but something along those lines of a guy that you can start things with and then make the moves to get the player later. So I, I think like one thing we we know just from being or watching this team is that this team has good quarterback evaluation, right? Uh, they they got Russell Wilson in the third round. They had him very high on their on their board, right? Yep. They they also the Seahawks they there's two times that they've been heavily rumored to be trying to move on from Russell Wilson and get a different quarterback. What two players are in those rumors? The first time it was Patrick Mahomes, which we've, uh, we've seen that turned out pretty good for them. Right. And yeah, then, way to go Seahawks. Yeah, you really the other time was they wanted, they wanted to trade Russell Wilson for the number one overall pick and get Josh Allen, which I would have said was insanity. I would have been like, that's nuts. This guy can only throw in shorts. Like, what are you guys doing? But uh, that they, that proved me wrong on that one too, right? That that was a uh, that was that was quite the, the 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 proving wrong for me. So yeah, I I I really think that they have good quarterback evaluation. They wanted Drew Locke. This was not. They didn't get Drew Locke on accident. Uh, they wanted Drew Locke. They could have easily just said. Don't don't put Drew Locke in this trade, or we don't want a quarterback controversy, or we're just gonna go find a guy. We're gonna trade for Baker Mayfield, or we're gonna, you know, get some malcontent backup and just kind of go to the next season. But they didn't do that. They they went out and they said we we want Drew Locke, and I think there's a reason for that. I think that they they really like liked him at some point from a talent perspective, and uh, they think that he could be okay. Not not I'm not saying that Drew Locke is is going to be the goat, but he could be all right. He could be decent. And if he's decent, this team instantly becomes like, you know, a mediocre football team as opposed so, to a truly bad one. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to gas up. The, I just uh, want to double Seahawks check. Here. Are we in about the same spot where we're saying this is Drew's lock, Drew Locke's chance to prove he's somewhere between the 18th and 25th best quarterback, not somewhere between the 26th and 35th best quarterback. Like, that's that's kind of where we're at, right? There's a chance that he's in the Tannehill zone. You know, he's between the tenth and fifteenth best quarterback. Yeah, and so that and that I would say that's the uh, that's the Tannehill zone, right? Tannehill um, gave us I don't know. Uh, I don't, Tannehill gave us a, an out here, a, a, a pathway where before and he's there younger was, than Tannehill was. That's another important thing with that because Tannehill was no, hit his aging issues like very quickly after he had his actually doesn't suck issues there was there was basically no pathway for a player like this to be successful prior to to Tannehill Tannehill is like the 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 edge case I guess um the, the guy who who actually did it whereas a lot there's otherwise a, you're looking at are, like Rich Gannon <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say that the other cases are like you're like uh, these guys are not good. But. Uh, you can make a you can make a pretty well. Rich Cannon was really good at the end of his career, but that was a very different time. Um, you can make the argument about uh, Drew Brees in San Diego, but like I don't know, he also uh, was in Offensive Player of the Year considerations in 2004. So while people like to say that he really didn't hit his stride until New Orleans, it's more like he had like one bad season, they lost faith, and then pivoted. Yeah. Okay. So I got us way off track there because we were talking about the mock game, but I think this quarterback battle does matter because Drew Locke should win this job. He, we already saw him take the inside track in this mock game. He went 10 for his first 10 passes playing with the twos against the ones, which is, I think is a big key here. Okay. Is that Locke went 18 for 27, 185 yards and a touchdown with the second team against the first team. Okay. Well, Gino went 10 for 19 for 94 yards with the first team against the second team defense. So there are second team defense rules or Drew Locke's a lot better than Geno Smith. And I think we all have a similar opinion on that, which is Drew Locke's a lot better than Geno Smith. Uh, well, I think so, when you watched the game, you saw Drew Locke was able to push the ball upfield in a way that Smith just can't. And he also, he just, there he's, he has some good throws, like some good, tough throws. He reads the field pretty well. I mean, I know that he's pretty established by now that he makes idiot mistakes on the field, but he didn't make any in this game. And I really think if there's anyone who can coach him up, I mean, we have the infrastructure to do it, right? Pete Carroll can change that mentality, get that positivity going. This is, it's not just a dead end with Drew Locke. And if Drew Locke is good this year, like this team is not terrible. 
it's it's really comes down to like and they're going to try to win. I cannot stress this enough. People people are like, "Oh, well, they're going to they're not going to try to lose." It's the Seattle Seahawks we're they talking about. They tried to win with Tavares Jackson. It's like, Pete no. Carroll. There's well, a lot of parallels between this season and the Tavares Jackson season. And if our division was as bad as it was during the Tavares Jackson season, I'd be saying, "Hey, we could win this division at 9 and 8," right? Like I'd be saying stuff like that. The problem is as we'll talk about later in this podcast, this division is not not bad <laughs> at all. It's the opposite of bad. I think the third best team in this division is is pretty solid. So, and the, the first two are extremely good. The class of the NFC. So it's it's going to be really tough for us to kind of overcome in any significant way. We play in a really hard division. The team's better than I think people are acting. That's the main thing. Is that it's not like a it's not just a dumpster fire. We're not going to go three and fourteen and just go on to next season. It's just not the way Pete Carroll's built. It's not the way this team is built. And I think he'll get enough out of Drew Locke to kind of move in that direction. The real question will be like, if they don't fall in love with the quarterbacks in next year's draft, if Drew Locke plays good, will they run it back? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Well, it's, it's really hard for me to answer. You said they're not going to try and lose. It's going to be what's what's made Seahawks football so nail-biting in the past few years is Pete kind of takes it down to – as late as he can in the fourth quarter to try try and win the game at the end, you're going to be seeing that a lot. Trying slows, to not lose until slows, we can strike. Slows the game down. Yep, we're down by 10 going into the fourth quarter, and maybe we can get hot, right? Yeah. And, and it'll happen a couple times, and much times it won't. And then we have some easier games on our schedule. So, yeah. I mean, for me, it adds up. We'll, we'll talk about this later. But for, it's not a good team. Like, good team, but a, not a great team, but a good team. Okay. Uh, other stats. So that we had the quarterback battle. Um, right now. Who do you want to start in week one? Who do you want? Not not who do you think will start in week one. Who do you want to start in week one? I'm Locke. Kevin? I'm on team Locke. Let's go hose. Yeah, you team are you team Locke, Eric? Or are you oh, are you with on. Gino? No, it's all Drew Locke. <laughs> Drew Gino's Locke. had his uh, chance. Yeah, Gino had a shot last year to really impress, and he was just meh. All right, rushing. In the mock game, uh the rushing thing, they are down as soon as they're touched. So the yards per carry is really bad. <laughs> It's not you can't break tackles. Yeah, it significantly so Dallas, impacts us when like Penny and Walker's big thing is that they're good tackle avoiders. Yeah, they both got a touchdown and uh, everyone looked fine. I, I'm not going to talk too much about that. Uh, looks like the top four running backs are Dallas, Penny, Walker and Thompson, though. I I would that those are the guys who touched the ball. So that I expect to see a healthy dose of them in the first preseason game. Uh, wide receivers. Did any wide receivers uh, stand out for you guys? Kevin, I'll start with you. Uh, so I noticed DK or, got or a chance. Re- receivers in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. DK got, it, got a chance to play on uh, with uh, both groups. Um, mm-hmm. So he got some throws from uh, from Drew Locke as well. And they seem to connect pretty well. So that was nice to see. As far as um, receivers that jumped out uh, that I didn't expect right now, Marquise Goodwin is doing really well, but he's also extremely fast. And when we're in this like modified contact situation, that's when he's going to shine. So that's wait and see for me. It's, it seems like there's a path for him to make the team pretty, pretty clear path though. Like he's yeah. got it inside track for sure. He's playing with the, with the ones and twos. Uh, he's fast. Like you said, <laughs> very fast. He's got a path to make in the team for sure, which I would have thought maybe he would have started behind or he was kind of like a camp depth guy, but it seems like he's got a real shot to, uh, to make the team uh, for sure. Otherwise, it's uh, Cody Thompson and uh, Colby Parkinson are the other two that I definitely took notice of. Colby Parkinson was was huge. Colby Parkinson had two catches. Uh, Literally, literally, Colby Parkinson uh, for twenty seven yards, and they were both chain. They're both chain movers too. They're both they moved the chains on uh, on both of them, which I thought was really cool. Uh, All right, Erica, what, what did you think about? So Ken Walker did not have a reputation as a pass catcher coming out of college. No. He caught four passes in this yes. game. Do you think? Do you think that might have been overrated, overstated in college, or what? What do you think is going on here? I mean, who knows what? How they rate people in college versus what they do in the pros? We've seen that happen before, where you know it's they just need a little coaching, or they weren't used that way in the college game. Right, like Jonathan Taylor, right? They just yeah, didn't yeah, use yeah. him in the past game, and then last year he's catching passes That's all like over the place. Or you just see the quarterbacks that they were playing with in college, and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is a fact. Yeah. That's Drew my, Locke actually knows how to check it down, maybe. <laughs> that's my that's my receiver in this game was uh, just looking at the stats because I didn't see any of the game was Kenneth Walker the third. I mean, four receptions, 29 yards. Uh, he didn't have an impressive run game. I don't really know what that means in this game, but catching balls out of the backfield, like Kevin kind of made a joke about, but it it's it shows that 
that Drew Locke can check down a little bit. It also shows that Ken Walker can actually catch the ball, which is pretty cool. We need yeah, you're that. allowed. To, you're you're allowed to check down. I never knew that before this year. And throw over the middle. Uh, Those two oh, things happen. Both of them. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. I don't know. It's new era of CX football. All right. Let's move on from the Mott game. Let's go to the uh, the initial depth chart. The unof- they called them the unofficial depth charts. I don't know what that means. The Seahawks released them. <laughs> but, <laughs> so to the to the to the uh, to the team. Was there? Uh, I sent you guys the defensive one. I'll put the offensive one in the uh, the group chat here now. What is it? Is there any um, surprises here? The biggest surprise I've heard is on Twitter. There's real. I know we do this every year, but there's real Phil Haynes buzz. Uh, Phil Haynes is pushing Gabe Jackson. We think Phil Haynes could start on either side at guard. Um, is this the year? Is this the year we get beefy boy? Beefy is it finally boy. our time? <laughs> beefy boy. Where's so the beef? When Phil Haynes has been healthy the last couple of seasons, we've seen someone who can come in and actually play at a legit NFL level. Like he's had good reps. He just hasn't really been able to stay on the field. So if health isn't as much of a question, I could definitely see him uh, kind of moving in as being the obvious replacement for Gabe Jackson as Gabe Jackson's kind of aging into his twilight years and uh, uh, playing less effectively. So, yeah, on the, on the one wide receiver on the X, they had DK backed up by Marquise Goodwin. Then third string was Cody Thompson then Aaron Fuller and just guys on the other side. We had Lockett. Then Swain, then Hart, then Eskridge. I, Eskridge was way lower than I expected. Uh, Eric, do you think this is Eskridge working himself back in, or is is he in real danger here? There's a lot of guys ahead of him on this depth chart. I mean, he's got to he's got to prove something, but I don't think he's going to be in trouble. I, the Seahawks have some pride invested in this. You know, they do not want to give up on D so soon. Uh, I think the D Eskridge pick. I don't want to say it was a bad pick, but it definitely was a guy that maybe didn't have a football body that shouldn't have been drafted you know where we drafted him but i i don't feel like he's in trouble i think he will they will find a way to sneak him in he will have an if he's terrible he'll have an injury that he has to work through they're going to find a way to keep this guy and make him or do their best to make him an nfl player all right kevin i'm gonna move over to defense with one for you Tariq woolen is the backup at right cornerback already does that get you does that get you going i mean there's no trey brown on here so they could it could you know he could be because he's hurt so he could be ahead of Tariq, but did the Tariq Woolen uh, showing up second? There, Sidney Jones and Artie Burns are getting pushed by the rookies, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. I mean, we've been hearing about it all camp. Uh, when you watch the film, you see them get burned in the way that rookies sometimes get burned. I I think right now they're kind of in the ideal situation, especially Tariq Woolen. Uh, he's shown everything that you want to see, but he's not quite ready, which means he probably will get like that late season action that a lot of times DBs get uh, from or, Pete. Or everyone will get hurt and we'll, we'll have to put him in like <laughs> we did with, like we always do. Well, at least you have to worry about him getting like torch deep and not having the makeup speed. Like the dude can get a step on just about anybody. So I, I do think this is kind of an ideal situation. If Jones and Burns and uh, Brown are the ones that are able to come out of this ready to start, or even if it's Jones and Burns right away, they've played well enough where I think that they're capable starting corners. If Bryant pushes his way in to one of the two Kobe. starting spots, that's it. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's not okay. Um, <laughs> if he pushes his way into one of the starting spots, at least you know that he had to beat out somebody talented. It wasn't like he defaulted in because we had nobody there. He played his way into the position, and he'll know that, and the other guys on the defense will know that, and that matters. All right, and then uh, that's it. That's pretty good. That was like the only... Real surprising. I mean, Marquise Blair was third on the depth chart behind Josh Jones. That was concerning to me, but uh, I think we might the Blair just might be cooked. Blair might, might be, be cooked, and Jones has actually balled out. Like, yeah, good on him. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's just uh, it's uh, everything else looks pretty good and about what I expected. I'm pretty excited, and apparently, no one can stop Taylor from getting sacks in practice. Like, it doesn't matter. Cross that both uh, makes you feel good about Curran. Taylor and bad about our tackles. Every, everyone, everyone is uh, you're not uh, getting around. Are you here everyone. for the Stone Forsyth watch like I am? The, Stro- the Stone uh, Forsyth hype? Can Jake the Jake Curran thing is is crazy. He's first on the depth chart, and yeah, we got Stone and uh, and Ab- Abraham Lucas trying to beat beat him out for that right tackle job. It just doesn't. I don't know what's going to happen. I would be sad if if I mean Cur- if Curran wins it, he wins it. You know, I can't like argue with it. Like it, Abe, Abe has not impressed in camp so far, so maybe it's just not. Not yeah, ready. Pete has some quotes about saying that he looks like he's comfortable out there and he's going to be ready, but it, I don't know. Uh, he's offensive tackle is a hard position to start as a rookie. 
There's a reason he wasn't a first round pick. There's a system adjustment that goes into place. But the whole problem with Jake Curhan is he's got those like cement shoes, like we used to talk about for uh, uh, Justin Britt. Like he he's just going to get beat by every speed rusher, and that hurts. Yeah, he's good. He's really good in the run game, which probably matters to Pete too much. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Pete Pete probably cares too much about whether or not he's good in the in the run game, and it's just it's just not not what we need to be. So anyway, um, okay, new broadcasting options. Which one are you most which one are you most excited about? We got. In the preseason, uh, Michael Robinson will be announcing in the booth. Michael Bennett will be a sideline reporter. And then Marshawn Lynch throughout the season will be doing special features on the broadcasts. Uh, which, one, which one are you most excited about, Eric? I mean, come on. I think I think for all of us, we all love Michael Robinson. Uh, we're all kind of excited to see Michael Bennett back in the Seahawk fold. But I'm here for Marshawn Lynch's special reports. If you're like me and you're excited for the Seattle Kraken, and you saw that Marshawn Lynch was announcing a pick for the Seattle Kraken, and he could not say Callie Yarncroke. <laughs> he saw the name Callie Yarncroke, and he froze. But then the true pro that Marshawn was, he goes, uh, the Seattle Kraken select from the Nashville Predators, and then he, the guy starts to say the name for him, and then he goes, my, my boy Callie, the boy boy Callie. And it's just like, yes, exactly. This is, this is the guy who just makes everything better. We love Marshawn. Right, just, I'm all just here let Marshawn do stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm more. I'm really excited about Michael Bennett just because I think he's going to have really great rapport on the sideline. And, you know, in those preseason games, they let the sideline reporter do like basically long form interviews. interviews. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically going to be like Michael Bennett doing a podcast during the game with with players on the sideline. Instead of the which, Booker Mobile, will he have the bike? <laughs> I want that. I want Michael Bennett doing a podcast on the sidelines. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, this balances out because mine's real, Rob. What? I'm shocked by this. Okay, go ahead. I think Give that he's because a- I think he's legitimately going to be a good announcer, and we could see the beginning of him kind of getting a shot at doing that. I think Fair that enough. he's. I think that he uh, has shown before that he's really good at handling a microphone. He's really mm-hmm. intelligent about the game of football. Uh, I like the dude. And so that's the one I'm most excited about, though. Like you guys mentioned, like Michael Bennett just kind of hanging out with guys on the sideline seems perfect. And we have no idea what Marshawn's going to do. It's going to be like those old Kenny Main segments where they just like send him to go do (laughs) weird stuff. And so he's going to be like, uh, oh, what's going on with uh, with uh, with Marshawn? Is he on the sideline? And it's like, no, he's in like uh, some high school in central Washington interviewing John Kitna or something. You're like, oh, okay. Apparently that's what's happening. And so you look and they're like both enjoying an ice cream cone while he's talking to him about West coast offense or something. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be insane. And it's going to be awesome. When the Seahawks are down 20 points in the fourth quarter, (laughs) here comes Marshawn. FanDuel released their power, initial power rankings. They put us 32nd out of 32 teams. We're all going to pick one team we think is clearly worse than the Seahawks. And if any of us are wrong, we will be penalized heavily by the end of the season. All right. You ready? Okay. Okay. What's one, Kevin, what's your team that's clearly worse than the Seahawks? I'll give you first pick. I'm going to take last pick. I'm I'm just so nice. I'm going to take third pick. Okay. Then I'm going to take the easiest one, which is Atlanta. Dang it. That was my number one pick. All right. (laughs) Atlanta's Uh, just awful. Eric, what's your team that's clearly worse than the Seahawks? Uh, Let's go Houston Texans. All right, and I'm going to take the Chicago Bears. Oh, Got to respect the neck there. <laughs> that's that's a risky pick. Uh, the Texans could get a bunch of wins just with their crappy division. That's like the only thing I'd be scared of with that one, though. Respect the uh, neck. <laughs> he has such a long neck. All right. Uh, finally, uh, Russ's teammates got in on the action, making fun of. Let's rock. Let's ride. <laughs> let's rock. So, oh. so, so, yeah. Wait, do you have all the different let's rides on the sound? No, board? no, I just, I just, I just made one. We don't, we don't have much time in the podcast. Yeah. Broncos country. Broncos country. Oh. Broncos and then, country. That's right. Broncos the way country. he puts an emphasis That's on ev- a different word every single time. It's so bad. Okay. Oh. All right. Let's I want get, the sound effect get... of him saying it while he gets out of his giant truck. If I, if I could be in <laughs> Russ's camp when he was looking at teams to go to. All right, if I go to Dallas, what do I say? Okay, rodeo up. All right. No, he says, let's ride. It's the same one. It is the same one. Cowboys is let's ride. Broncos is let's ride. Bronco, Cowboys country. I really want to go somewhere where I can say let's ride. I put all the other horse teams. I put all the other horse teams in my no trade clause. That's right. People don't know. I can't think of another thing to say. 
Colt, Colt, Colts Nation. That's right. Bears are out. He can't ride a bear. You can't ride a bear. Let's no, see, looks no, as, see, Bears uh, Nation. Baby. Let's growl. Baby, can, you, uh, can you ride a bear? No? Okay. <laughs> can't be the Falcons. Can't be the Bears. Uh, Got to be able to ride it. All right. Let's. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Jets. All right, let's, let's ride. Let's get into it. Our our uh, main topic this week. We're going to do is our final division preview, the NFC West. Uh, all right. It's Cardinals. Start them off with the Cardinals. Oh, I did not write down the records. Oh, no. So oh. Wait, let me. <clears throat> the Cardinals last year went. Uh, let me see if I can do this. Cardinals from, last year went. From memory went. Uh, they went nine and eight. They went. Eleven and six. Eleven and six. I, OK, this is why this is why I can't do this from memory. They, they started the season really good. I think they started the season, what, seven and one? They started off so good, and then they just down the end, and they were really bad in the playoff that's, game. That's what they, they did. Add, they added Hollywood Brown, Nick Vigil, Daryl Williams, and Steven Anderson. They lost Christian Kirk, Chandler Jones, Chase Edmonds, and Jordan Hicks. In the draft, added Trey McBride, Cameron Thomas, Majai Sanders. Uh, Seahawks connection. Wow, this was difficult. These teams have no overlap. You guys ready for this? I found a connection between the two teams, though. Okay. Seahawks secondary and defensive passing game coordinator Carl Scott was the secondary coach for the Texas Tech Red Raiders when Cliff Kingsbury was the coach. Nice. So, hmm. That's the best I could do. I couldn't. I, there are no current like Arizona people that worked on Seattle staffs or Seattle people that worked on Arizona staffs or players. And that you didn't want to go over. with the layup of J.R. Sweezy. Seahawk <laughs> legend. Signed Seahawk, a one-day Seahawk, contract. Yeah, sure. Seahawks legend Jared Sweetsy. Exactly. <laughs> he's currently on the team. Wait, actually, a day passed, so he's not. Um. Yeah, we go to the one that we always hated, which is uh, uh, Nathan's draft crush, Eno Benjamin, who he wishes was on the Seahawks, is no, on if, the Cardinals. If we did that, it would have been uh, Rondell Moore. Okay, uh, Eric, start us off. What do you think about the uh, the Cardinals. Uh, so Kyler Murray got a quarter, got a uh, got a quarterback. Dear Lord, I'm tired. Uh, Kyler Murray got a new contract. This was I didn't think this was going to happen. It was a tall order. Well, thank you, thank you. Do you don't have anything on the board for that? Come on. Um, okay, I ha- I have a drop that I'm trying to put together for Kyler. I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> I didn't. It's not on the board right now. It's written in a notebook. I didn't have time to. You're put it saving on. it for the regular so, season. So I, I had like it. a I have like a notebook that I write things that I want to put in, but like I just didn't have time today to make any more drops. It's but, gonna be. It's okay, gonna be it's, Shire just, No, it's Scott. It's Scott Steiner. I'm trying to find one of Scott oh, Steiner no. yelling. He's short. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I didn't think uh, I, I didn't really know to think about Kyler Murray scrubbing the Cardinals from his social media. That was kind of a big deal. Um, I didn't know if he'd be traded. I didn't know if, you know, if they were going to move on Wait, from him. Weird clauses in his contract about studying without. Yeah, playing so he gets, <laughs> he gets the the extension. It's a it's actually a pretty good extension, I think, for everyone here. Um, I there's a lot of stipulations. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be out, what, six games? Yeah, six games um, for the Roids. They have uh, Marquise Brown uh, in. I don't really know if he is going to be a great NFL player. I had high hopes for him. I'm kind of on the fence about him being a number two receiver, and he's going to have to kind of be their one. Um, I Looking at this team's schedule, especially after their bye week, it gets pretty dicey, and everything I've said about, you know, Marquise Brown maybe not being great and being without DeAndre Hopkins. I think this team could be in trouble early. And that end of their schedule is going to keep them from stringing together a bunch of wins. They've lost a little on the defense. Uh, they still have Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. Um, this is this is a, a coin toss team for me. So about I'll, I'll start with Hollywood Brown specifically because I think it was like a really great pickup for them. I don't think um, he's Hollywood he's, yet. He has a thought. He had a thought that he's from Hollywood, Florida. So he'll always be Hollywood. Fair. fair. That's where the name came from. Uh, But he had a thousand yards last year, which I think like a lot of people forget. Uh, Six touchdowns, 90, 91, 91 receptions. Um, But through the first nine weeks last year, he was extremely good. And then he just kind of fell off as the entire, the entire Baltimore team fell off. Right. They They all got hurt. He went. (laughs) This is how Baltimore finished their season. Loss, 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 loss. <laughs> they lost six straight games to close it out. And guess what? He wasn't good in any of those games because the whole team wasn't good. He was still getting targeted, though. I I think this is good because, one, he they already have a connection. And I talked about this before with Devontae Adams and, and David Carr. A lot of wide receivers, when they get traded, 
they don't have if they don't have a strong connection with their quarterback, there's a there's like a time there's a period period of time where it's kind of tough, right? These guys should be able to onboard really quickly because they played together at Oklahoma. So there shouldn't be like a whole bunch of like, oh, he doesn't know how to run routes or the timing is off with Kyler. That shouldn't happen. And I do think he had, he had a good, really good performance last year that he can kind of build on. I think it's a really good signing for them. And it's one of the re- it's probably the primary reason that I think that this team is competitive for a playoff spot is one. If they can tread water while Hollywood is their number one quarterback and then they have Hollywood and Hopkins. That is brutal. I think that's really difficult for a lot of teams to to deal with. And AJ Green and Rondell Moore are not like slouches either. They're going to put pressure on teams in different ways. I hate their draft. Why did you draft trade? Why do you pay Zach Ertz, bring back Max Williams, who was developing as a pass catcher, and then draft Trey McBride with the second round pick, your best draft pick? Yeah, I don't I, I don't even think Trey McBride's bad. I think he's good. But like. I don't know. You you have a team here that is like a borderline playoff team that needs defensive players badly. Okay, I need bodies on defense. The offense is not the problem. The defense is the problem because I am relying on JJ Watt's corpse to carry me to to the playoffs. And if he gets hurt, I'm when we're in big trouble. Okay, we're in big trouble because now Marcus Golden is our best pass rusher. It's 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 a problem. Okay, that that's what I'm worried about with the Cardinals. And they spent their best draft pick on Trey McBride. And it's like, all right, man, he's not probably not going to see the field a whole bunch his rookie year. And I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get what they're doing. Cliss Kingsbury, I just think he's not a great coach. Like Kevin, Kevin was on this the earliest of anyone I know. Um, I mean, everyone was like he had a losing record in college. So I don't get why they're hiring him. But you were like, yeah, he's straight up bad, though. Not only did he have a losing record, but he gets credit for developing uh Patrick Mahomes and he shouldn't yep <laughs> and, and and like that and I think like you're completely right like this guy gets credit as like a quarterback whisperer and stuff and it's like Kyler Murray probably be better with someone different it turns than, out all he was whispering was please be good Patrick please be good <laughs> you can you can do it I'll hook you up with Andy Reid in the pros <laughs> real coach <laughs> yeah so. that's the thing if you're if you had Andy Reid coaching you and you turn into a really good quarterback Let's not look too far into why you're a really good quarterback. You were really talented and you got Andy Reid to coach yeah. you. Yeah, he got a lot of he got a lot out of Alex Smith. I think that says it all. So like I said, I think this roster's all right. They the offense should be explosive and if they can keep everyone healthy, they'll score points. I'm worried about the defense. It's like Buda Baker, JJ Watt, and a bunch of guys I don't trust. I love Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons from a talent standpoint, but they have not put it together on an NFL field, and I don't know if that's coaching or them vance joseph is the guy who could get a lot out of them so maybe it it will start to kind of pan out this year um we'll see he's been their coordinator the rest of the career but i think like if he can put it together and get this defense really moving this team is competitive but otherwise i'm scared ken what do you think uh yeah i think on offense um my big question is about the offensive line i do agree they have good weapons especially once you get uh d hop back but like Will Hernandez is coming over from the Giants to start. Uh, the Giants didn't keep Will Hernandez. It's on the Giants' offensive line. They didn't keep Will Hernandez, so that means Will Hernandez was not good enough to start for the Giants, and now he's starting for you. Uh, this was a bottom half of the NFL offensive line last year, one of the worst run blocking units, and I don't really see where they got better. Roddy Hudson's another year older. Justin Pugh is another year older. Uh, Kelvin Beecham is another year older. Will Hernandez is not good. And DJ Humphreys is like kind of what they're relying on. And congratulations on relying on DJ Humphreys. I, I feel like they needed a lot of help in the draft. And I think you kind of nailed it on that one, uh, Nathan. I think that Trey McBride is a, kind of a baffling pick. He doesn't address any immediate need. And they had a lot of immediate needs. Then you take Cameron Thomas and MyJ Sanders. And those are two pass rushing like edge players. So I guess they're drafting guys who are going to take part of the load that Chandler Jones was occupying, except both of them have a lot of questions about how their game is going to translate to the NFL. Uh, Sanders is really, really slight and he was on the ground all the time. Like in the draft eval, it was really, um, it was really a problem. Like he got blocked to the ground, got knocked out of plays very frequently. He doesn't have technique to play at his size on the edge. 
Cameron Thomas has kind of the opposite problem. He's coming from San Diego State, and he was kind of playing like a bully on the edge, except he's not going to be bigger than stronger than like everybody else. And so those are two guys that are going to have a significant adjustment if they ever pan out. Then you have Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, who are both like balls of talent that uh, still have not been like shaped into NFL players. I really this think they should be bad. using them. At, I really think they should be using them outside linebacker. Well, well I, I think Isaiah want... Thomas should be a uh, should be a strong safety. He yeah, never think... played linebacker in college. Move move Isaiah Simmons to to like yeah to some kind of like box safety role or <clears throat> or even nickel cornerback. And then and then Zayvon Collins should be playing outside linebacker. Yep, and rushing the or, passer. Or Isaiah Simmons is is roaming the middle of the field by himself. You know what I mean? Like try to turn him into uh, the guy for San Francisco, uh, Fred Warner. Yeah, kind of because he can do that. Which, <laughs> which the, like you said, Vance Joseph's a really good defensive coach, so maybe he figures out how to put them in situations to succeed. But the defense is there a reason to think they're not a bottom ten? I mean, if JJ Watt stays healthy for seventeen games. That's the reason. <laughs> never, never, I, never again. Can you can you count on it? No. But if he stays healthy the whole year, I mean, this is a top ten defense, like borderline, because he's so good by himself. Even in year eleven, JJ Watt, I still have faith will be excellent. Otherwise, their pass yeah. rush is very, very bad, and their coverage is not very good. So that that's problematic. Um. So I was last, so I'll give record. I have them collapsing at the end of the season. And going eight and nine, I have them at I have them at nine and eight border borderline playoff team, uh, not quite making it. Eight and nine, that's uh, consensus pretty much. All right, sounds good. So now let's move on to the Rams. The Rams went twelve and five last year. They won the Super Bowl. Pretty uh, important. Yeah. That's uh, they a added good season. They added uh, Riley Dixon, Allen Robinson, and Bobby <laughs> Wagner, <laughs> um, and then they lost. Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr., Darius Williams, and Austin Corbett in the draft. They added Logan Bruss, Kobe Durant, and Kyron Williams. Uh, Seahawks connection. Did you know that Seahawks long snapper Tyler Ott was on the St. Louis Rams back in the day? All right. Um, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Probably not because no one cares about long snappers. Uh, there, there's actually like long there's actually snapping trivia. There's actually like a billion connections between this team, so I just picked like the one that I thought was the, the goofiest. Uh, all right, Kevin. What do you think about the Rams this year? I think picking up Allen Robinson was really important because not only did they, uh, not only is Odell Beckham not back, but also they traded away Robert Woods. And so losing two key wide receivers like that, it's not like you can rely on Tutu Atwell. Uh, Van Jefferson started to kind of step up. Whoa, whoa, this Ben Skoronic slander. (laughs) Ben Skoronic. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Allen Robinson is a really, really, really good pass catcher. He has been everywhere. This is by far the best quarterback that he'll ever played with. And it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. It's kind of a shame that we're a little later in his career and his body's not quite what it used to be. But uh, him being the number two receiver to Cooper Cup uh, with Van Jefferson as a very effective receiver alongside him could give him a chance to have uh, like a really strong career resurgence. Their beat writers will not shut up about how good Allen Robinson is. That's because he's uh, really it, good. <laughs> it's worry. It's worrying because I, I thought like, Allen Robinson after, got Christian Hackenberg drafted. After last year, <laughs> I thought, man, Allen Robinson might be washed. And then now, after reading just every after every practice, they're like, Allen Robinson, incredible again. And he's going against Jalen Ramsey, you know. So it's it's not like he's going against scrubs. Uh, yeah, it's a problem. That this yeah. Rams team is a, is a problem. They've Just got a lot of skill position players that are really good. The big questions are, um, again, that's another team where I have no reason to trust their offensive line. Like their offensive except, line, except, except for like I don't know what are we on now. You're you're eight of them just like shuffling guys through with mid round draft picks and them all being good. Except they're missing their left tackle that held everything together. Sure, I mean it is a difference, but Note Boom has been good. So I I like. I don't know. I just like this is one thing that's weird about this team is I just trust them now to like find guys in round three that I don't think are interesting and then be, be and then I'm wrong. I'm wrong and the Rams are right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, and we'll see I'm if not that like, happens. Maybe Logan Bruss like will a Logan, be something. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not like a Logan Bruss truther now, but like uh, as soon as they drafted him, I'm like, oh, all right, well, Logan Bruss is probably good. 
Because it's kind of like when it's kind of like when Pittsburgh drafts a wide receiver, you have to take it seriously immediately <laughs> because they they always turn out pretty good. It's the same with the Rams; they draft these secondary players and these offensive linemen in the middle rounds. And I was they all very turn sad they got they got Kobe Durant. I I was like, oh man, Kobe Durant's going to be like a good slot corner, and then they drafted him. I'm like, stupid Rams. Um, so <laughs> stupid Rams indeed. So they're paper thin in a lot of areas. If they get a couple of key injuries, they're completely out of the playoff picture. But if they don't get key injuries, then they're a Super Bowl contender. Like they are the same glass cannon that they've been the last couple of years, and that got them a Super Bowl. So and you know and most of say? most of their really good players are reliably durable, right? Aaron Donald's not missing a bunch of games. Jalen Ramsey's not missing a bunch of games. Matt Stafford, he he had Bobby that back Wagner. thing, but it it seems to have been Bobby Wagner's not missing a bunch of games. This team. It's a strong roster top to bottom. Uh, it's it's not like you said, it's not deep. So, yeah, if they lose one of these big name key players, if Jalen Ramsey gets hurt, they can't cut the field in half anymore. If Aaron Donald gets hurt, kind of messes up what they're doing on pass rush. But those guys have stayed healthy time. And again, I think you can just believe in the Rams at this point. They're annoying. Um, they will age out. Um, as our as our young core starts to come in, I feel like they're going to start to age out, which is good. Since they don't and have a first age, round pick the, until 2037. Right, exactly. and and also they aged they aged out. They start they already started aging out, right? With the, like you said, Kevin, their their stalwart left tackle retired after last season at age what? How old was he? Like he's like 40, 40, wasn't he? 42 or something. I don't know. He's super old. Um, way to hang on until you get the till you get the ring. I love it. Um, I hate the Rams, but I love that specific thing. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. Andrew Whitworth, forty years old, 40 born in nineteen eighty one. What a what a beast. <laughs> I mean, respect. You, you got to respect it. You don't have to like it. You got to respect it. He doesn't have to uh, take steroids anymore now that he's retired. Hell yeah. He probably is super skinny like Joe Uncle Thomas Will now. in the reboot of Fresh Prince. All right. What do you like? What do you think about the Rams, Eric? Uh, what's more to say about the Rams? The only thing that I had circled was like when they lost Robert Woods, I was like, oh man. I mean, Robert Woods had a, you know, a down year last year with injury. But I think that's really going to affect him. And then they got Allen Robinson. So then I just <laughs> I canceled. I just X that out in the offseason. Uh, and then when they signed Bobby Wagner, I then crumpled up the piece of paper. Uh, so that's what I think about the Rams. You're like, the Rams are going to be worse. Just yeah. kidding. Like, oh, <laughs> here's here's the time where they uh, they you know, it's it's kind of like a Matt Stafford watch. Like if he sneezes, you're like, oh, oh is he is he losing it? Is he gonna throw out his back? Yeah, he's gonna throw out his back. Is he done? But <laughs> he's old. That's that's really the only injury that I kind of fret for this team. Like if I were a Rams fan, I'd be like protect Stafford at all costs. You're not in for the John Wolford experience. <laughs> I mean, as a Seahawk fan, hell yes, I am, Kevin. Uh, I got Rams thirteen and four. What do you got, Eric? Uh, I have them twelve and five. I also have them twelve and five, winning the division. All right. Um, 49ers went 10 and 7 last year. They added Shavarius Ward, Ray Ray McLeod, George Odom, and Oren Burks. They lost Lake and Tomlinson, DJ Jones, Quan Williams, and Arden K. Juan Williams, sorry, and Arden Key. They drafted Drake Jackson, Spencer Buford, Danny Gray. Uh, Seahawks connection, Malik Turner, Seahawks dancing legend, signed with San Francisco this offseason. Uh, it's Eric's turn to go first. Eric, what do you think about the Niners? I think the Niners are a sham. Okay, I've been waiting to say this. <laughs> what? I, I do not have any faith that Rub the your hands together. are going yes. to be great. Yes. Uh, Debo Samuel, very talented. Uh, again, shocked they did a deal that they were able to get something together. It seemed like this guy did not want to play for the for the 49ers. He may still not want to play there, but, but he's on. I am not a Trey Lance believer. I look at what they do with Jimmy G, and Trey Lance is a different player and a player that can help them move the ball. But I just don't feel like I, I feel like it's just another bad quarterback play by the 49ers. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think in this division that is uh, you know challenging enough, and with the Rams in it, I don't feel like the 49ers are in a position to one make up a lot of room, uh, and two grow their team uh, and kind of you know have a big youth movement that will uh, bring them fortune in the future. I think that they are a team that will win some games lose some games and ultimately not do much of anything. That's my 49er stance. All right. Um, and I love it. So let me, let, <laughs> let me say something about Jimmy G. Uh, Jimmy. So going from Jimmy G to Trey Lance, uh, let's start with the coach. Kyle Shanahan is extremely good 
extremely good at coaching football, especially at coaching offense. Um, he's going to go from Jimmy G, a guy who condenses the field for the opposing defense. Um, the opposing defense is not where I have to worry about Jimmy G running the ball. The opposing defense is not have to worry about Jimmy G throwing it deep. Okay, uh, they ju- they can they can condense the field a little bit, and we still see the opposing defense struggle because you know they find ways to get the ball to Debo Samuel in space. They find ways to get the job ball to George Kittle. They run the ball in these zone read plays and just dominate the line of scrimmage. This this team does a good job. I don't think anything of those things have changed, but now their defenses that go against the 49ers are going to be spread out. Why? Because Trey Lance can throw a deep ball because Trey Lance can run. And I mean, run, this guy can really run the football. And so I, I don't, he doesn't even have to be super awesome to really bring a different dynamic to this offense than what Garoppolo was bringing because Garoppolo just made it easier for opposing defenses because he was going to have to try to pick them apart across the middle of the field and intermediate. And it, now the whole field is open for the 49ers and you, you're going to see Ayuk going deep. You're going to see George Kittle flying up the seam. You're going to see Trey Lance running for long runs. I, I think this, this team is just generally a problem. And then they still have Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, Fred Warner. They have this elite front seven de- of their defense that is going to carry, carry them a little bit because the secondary is not great. But it doesn't have to be great because this front, the front of this defense, and Fred Warner is a game changer in the middle of the field. Fred Warner makes it so that every single guy in this secondary's job is so much easier, um, to the point where these secondary players that I don't think are very good are going to be perfectly fine in this 49ers defense um, because of the way the game warps around him. Um, they also brought back good depth pieces like Kerry Hyder, who we lost, we gave them back. Um, I, th- I think like those guys, they have decent depth in the front seven too. Uh, I, I like, I like this 49ers roster. I would be happy to have it as my, as my own hate the 49ers, but this is a good roster and it's, it's a good coach. So I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite end of this, Eric. I'm a 49ers believer. Oh, makes me I'm so a, sad. I'm, I'm high. I'm kind of high on the Niners in general. Uh, Kevin, am I crazy or, or you are, where are this your team, Eric or team Nathan? Uh, I'm team Kevin. Oh, come no, on. You, pick you a, do not know you're going to say that. Come on. Pick, pick a side. <laughs> I did. Uh, boo. Boo. Kevin went full Madonna. Y'all got to get on my side level. are you on? Mine. That's fact. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. I want to start by saying this is another team where I hated their draft. I hated the 49ers draft. Uh, Drake Jackson is like high potential and they do need another edge rusher. So that was a pretty good pick. But Terion Davis Price in the third round is baffling. Danny Gray in the third round was really high. Like Spencer Buford might might like might work out, but the, they did not get a lot of pieces that help them right now. And I feel like they could have used a few. The Davis Price draft pick is weird because they have so many running backs and ones that they seemingly like. They spent a third round pick on a running back last year. Like they really and then a sixth round back. pick, and that was the one that was better. Yeah, but they really wanted to run that back with another third round pick. Like, I don't know. It didn't make that pick didn't make sense to me. I think they'll get away with it, but I agree. Also, I think they got good UDFAs. Like, I like Donovan West just in in general. Anyway, go continue. Uh, I also think that the <laughs> interior of their offensive line is highly questionable. I didn't like the Aaron Banks pick. Uh, Spencer Burford's going to be coming in as a rookie um, to replace Lincoln Tomlinson. It doesn't matter a ton because Trent Williams is an absolute freak. Yeah, McGlinchey's so, really good too. So they'll, they'll control. Good. They'll control on the outside. Yeah, but I do think that that does create some questions for their inside run game, which they do utilize enough where that's a concern. Um, I could see them having a lot of growing pains with Trey Lance, his uh, his legs, his ability to stretch the field, his ability to threaten differently, is going to be something that's trouble for uh, opposing defenses. But I think it will also come with a lot of like chucking the ball directly to somebody else's safety or just like he's flat out missing on third down. Like he's not a, he's not a very accurate passer. The practice, the practice sports on Trey Lance are an adventure. Like every day it's different for one day. He's terrible. The next day he's 16 for 16. He went, you know, four Mm -hmm. for four uh, in the red zone in practice last, last yesterday with uh, four different receivers catching the touchdown stuff. It's like every day is an adventure with this guy. Yeah. It's like Um, uh, early career Andrew Luck when he would put himself in the two touchdown hole by throwing like a pick six and another bad interception, but then he would lead the comeback. 
He's young. <laughs> he's he had very little college experience, and he was young anyway for a player coming to the pros. Um, like how old is Trey Lance? Twenty two, and he's already been in the NFL for a whole season, and he just turned twenty two. So I think like that. There's definitely yeah, you're right. There's definitely possibility of growing pains. There. Yeah, I'm just not a huge Trey Lance believer, and so I think that especially the first half of the season, there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, the defense. So Nick Bosa doesn't have the health history that his brother has. Uh, he just has the one like catastrophic injury in the season. But this pass rush is really relying on him a lot. He's like Eric Armstead is a good defensive lineman, but Nick Bosa is the one who's going to be getting sacks for this team. And so they need him to stay healthy. Javon Kinlaw is needs to show something this year or he's kind of going to go down as a bust. They do have those really good linebackers, but their corners are the, kind of questionable. He's definitely on the Solomon Thomas career path of like, this guy was super tight. <laughs> yes. So. It's like he never recovered from he's, his injury that he was. If he listens to this, he's going to be very mad at us, by the way. He gets really mad when people talk, say anything negative. Well, you know what he can yet. go do? He can go play really well, and then people will stop talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, I feel like this is a team that's probably going to struggle early. Um, and even though the back half of their schedule is like is not easy, uh, I think that that's when things are going to kind of hit their stride. Like some, they have a week nine buy. I think kind of after the buy, they're going to look like a much better team. And because of the way that Shanahan runs the ball uh, against the way that a lot of defenses are set up these days, it, with the right matchups, the 49ers are really difficult in the playoffs. So I could see them making a deeper run than their regular season record would suggest. But I have them going nine and eight and challenging for a wild card spot. I have them at 11 and six. Um, and I, I agree with one thing you said, which is that their run game is going to going to it'll make it so that they can get through any kind of initial rough patches in my and they have some of their easiest games on their schedule are at the beginning of the year. Chicago, Carolina, Atlanta, they get the they have the they have some layups at the beginning that I think are some of the worst teams in the league that I think will help them. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Uh, I actually have them right in the middle there at 10 and seven. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, okay. NFC, just to review, uh, overall, hold on, um, hold on. You said 10 and seven. Yeah. Oh, wait. So you said they'd be really so bad. You said they're a fraud. Whoa, 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 and you whoa, have whoa. them one, one game ahead of us. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no one, one, hold on. I don't have one game ahead of us. Nathan's ahead of you me. Just, I had one game ahead I'm... of you. I didn't say they were going to be terrible. I said, and you can rewind <laughs> the tape that they were going to be a team that competed, but ultimately goes nowhere. Ten and seven. Oh, okay, so got it. They were ten. They were ten and seven it. last year too. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you're like you're like on the Cardinals path. They're just gonna get killed in the playoffs. Yeah. And and they're gonna have years where they maybe make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, hovering in that five hundred. Uh, what is that? Uh, that no man's land of almost making the playoffs, like the Sonics before they left. You're going nowhere. It's not good you, for your team. Why would you? Why would you do that? To, to you asked well, for it. Now you've uh, hurt my heart. Yeah, that's that's hurtful. Uh, Seahawks seven and ten last year. They added Uchenna Nuosu. Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Austin Blythe. They lost. Um, and that's right. Bobby Wagner, DJ <laughs> Reed, and <laughs> Gerald Everett. In the draft, in the draft, we've got uh, Charles Cross, Boye Mafe, Kenneth Walker. Seahawks connection. Did you know that uh, current coach Pete Carroll has actually been with the Seahawks for 13 years? Um, so he's pretty connected to the to the squad. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about this year's Seahawks? Give me the give me the cliff notes though. Let's go short because we're going to talk about this team all preseason for weeks. Uh, I think it. the Seahawks did a really good job of shoring up um, positions where they were weak, uh, getting players that can come in and help make the transition. Uchenna Nwosu was a great pickup. If you're going to be moving to a three four, getting him, drafting Boye Mafe kind of gives you the personnel to start running that uh, that style of defense more. They made some necessary changes to add depth in the secondary. And uh, adding, like adding Noah Fant, adding Ken Walker, uh, and making those changes on the offensive line, are things that needed to happen to figure out what pieces you have moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, the team's trying to kind of rebuild on the fly, and as a result of that, uh, they're unlikely to have a ton of success this year. Success is going to be more measured by when we exit the season. How many pieces do we have that we're going? Yeah, this could be part of the new core. Right. So we're basically this season, I think we're seeing can 2022 be a foundational draft, mm -hmm. right? 
Can it be is Boye Mafe, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, Abraham Lucas, Kenneth Walker, Charles Cross? Is that a foundational draft like the 2012 draft was where and where we got so many foundational pieces? If it is, this is a team that can really start to turn it around next year um, and be, you know, frisky competitive in the same way that those those Seahawks were um, where we won the, the the playoff game and all that jazz. So I uh, I like I like the direction of the team. I think it's going to be a, f- a fun team to watch, even if they're not always winning. Um, Eric, what are, what are you most what are you most excited about? At least what, what do you think about the roster the Seahawks have put together here? Uh, I don't think it's like a game changing roster, but I think we have some solid players. Uh, it's looking at the best case scenario. Uh, it's I think it's all going to hinge on how our defense works. How is our what's pass the, rush? Gonna what's be? the ceiling for you, Eric? What's the what's the best case scenario? Everything goes right. Drew Locke is the next Ryan Tannehill. How many games do we win? Mm, Ten and seven, and we edge out San Francisco for a playoff spot. I think that it, I agree. The the absolute like dream scenario where everything goes right and Drew Locke is like the next Ryan Tannehill, it's still only like a 10 win team. Yeah. Um I but I think the nightmare scenario, like all the quarterbacks are bad, is like only like five or six. Well, I think you the know, nightmare not- <laughs> scenario is like, okay, well then hopefully we're <laughs> hopefully we can still it, end a good quarterback I, and it's not that big of a nightmare. Actually the like nightmare scenario is that we're nine and eight and we don't uh, get any draft value, but we're clearly not good. See, and that's what I'm thinking. Ooh, about that would the be really Niners. I'd, I'd rather get six wins than like nine wins, miss the playoffs, and feel terrible about my team. I don't think they'll get. I don't think they'll get. I don't think. Th- here's the thing: if they get nine wins, they're going to look good. It's yep. not going to be. It's not going to be a mirage nine wins or a, a, a fluky nine wins. Because to get fluky wins, you have to have a really good quarterback who can lead fourth quarter drives. You know, kind of like let's run. <laughs> and so, 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 and we don't have that anymore. So we have the hose. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, so I put them at seven and ten, but I think the number will be between like five and nine. I also am at um, seven and ten. Uh, six and eleven, boys. Those are, fair, fair. Those are all all great. <laughs> those, those are all great numbers. Uh, I'm I'm into it. So uh, let's head let's to the uh, money zone. Uh, first of all, big ups, new patrons: uh, Rad Dad, Nikki C, and uh, Cooper WBC. Big props, you guys. Uh, I'm going to call you both number 69 because that's uh, that's how I roll. <laughs> and then um, we, uh, if you want to join us in the Discord, uh, we've been talking about video, video games channels been popping off lately. We're talking about a lot of video games. Uh, we're talking talking a lot of uh, just random stuff. Me po- me me kind of uh, shit posting uh, tweets a lot. <laughs> uh, that one that I posted about Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis been tearing it up for the Eagles in camp, but then someone made like a reverse. <laughs> A reverse video of him just like getting so it looks like the other guy's pushing him back while jumping it's hilarious um it made it's, me laugh really worst. hard so so uh i was just laughing and then there's a sound effect too it's like boing boing so anyway um if you want to if you want to support the show head over to uh patreon.com slash seahawks nest for a little dollar 24 a month get in the discord also gambling stuff starts up soon so get excited about that um the soundboard will be just over the top in that don't uh that i'm gonna rep- i might replace a lot of um, my my writing jokes with just just abusing the soundboard so just mentally prepare <laughs> yourself uh thanks to andy brett cooper do it all for the tucci evan Floctimus, greta james jose lucas rad dad nikki c ryan timothy tom astro blake bob casey daniel david Foles, jay michelle mike mike richard thomas warwolf brandon nick and everyone else who supports the show um we love hanging out with you guys in the discord all right Movie Club Today. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Movie Club Today is a, a a musical movie club. In honor of Olivia Newton-John, we're going to do our favorite actors. Or not, sorry. Musicians turned actors. Uh, what are our favorite perform- specific performances? A fave five for musicians turned actors. So uh, this is going to be it's going to be contentious, I feel like. I feel like this it's going to get testy when we have to put just two in because there is so we're going not not performances so, we're doing actual actors so we're doing uh we're picking a specific movie for an actor we would like to honor in this field so what i think i think so eric yeah for that actor? so so okay. yes yeah, so you have one, if you had one in mind just pick an, a movie the best movie that they're that they're in i think is the best way to go about or the it. performance you most appreciate from them yes what if what if they were an actor and then dabbled in musicianship and then still active uh i already said that we are not going to have bruce willis it's this, good so. good discussion it's a good discussion yeah I, I don't think you can put eddie murphy in this okay 
Uh, so yeah, you got to go. But it you was could a musician. have loaf, but you'd have to do like a uh, black dog because it has to be something he's in it a lot. So definitely like he plays. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Kevin, I'm going to do a lot of things, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, like I, I can go first. I, I have one that I would definitely like to do. All right, go ahead. G- give yours uh, number one in the Fave Five. Kevin, All right, so ahead. number one in the Fave Five. I'm doing 2019's The Farewell for Aquafina. Um, I thought this right. was an excellent movie. It's kind of a family comedy drama. Um, it's really clever. It's very relatable. It has a lot of heart, and I think Aquafina puts in a really good performance in it. All right, I, I agree. Aquafina. Aquafina is a rising star in the acting business, but got her got her start, you know, as a uh, rap artist. So yeah, I di- I totally dig it. As a I like meme it. rapper, yeah. <laughs> yes, basically, yes. But but it was big. The rap was popular. So yeah. all right, uh, Eric. You got um oh yeah you got you got a pick here let me hear it. it's it's my it's my pick because I want it in there nineteen oh geez I got to look up the year uh it's got to be ninety one it's got to be ninety one's <laughs> Boys in the Hood Ice Cube there you go Ice Cube so this was his uh, first acting role uh, seeing him read for this role he's super shy reading for it um, this movie is it's it's amazing it's still a great piece of film still great performances all around. Um, John Singleton's best piece of work, in my opinion, and um, man, I, I watched this film a couple of years ago. Still stands up. Uh, great all around performances, but Ice Cube, um, you know, he didn't have like great big monologues in this movie, but he had a small one at the end. He held his own. It kind of launched his career as an actor, and he still rapped. He still did that rapidy rap music for many years after that, and uh, that's what's in there. I have so many. This is like so difficult. Well, I mean, there's one actor you have to pick. <laughs> there is so many. There are so many good choices. Why is this so difficult, Nathan? For this, I no, I can't pick that. I think that I can. I'm. I'm gonna try to make you guys pick that with me because I think that <laughs> I think that that movie, that movie that we're gonna pick is is just so good and it's so us. Um, okay, can I tell you something that I'm thinking? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw these out there. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Harry Connick Jr. in The Iron Giant. All right, um, which okay. I, which I think is, wow. is awesome. Obviously, Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights is the one you guys are yes are um, are referencing because that is a a very very good one. Though though uh, also the fighter and the departed are both acceptable. Just, Justin Timberlake in the Social Network, uh, which I think is like really good. Um, and that movie is is like underrated now somehow. Uh, uh, Janelle it, yeah, Janelle Monet and Hidden Fingers. I don't know Hidden figures uh is is very hidden is figures very was good. uh my college hidden movie actually movie. most most deaf in uh most deaf in i'm gonna go with uh the the one where they be kind rewind right isn't that most deaf and be kind rewind um it is it is yeah i like that movie where they re where they reenact uh him and jack black reenact movies and then put them on tape <laughs> to keep their video store open yeah that's that rules um, How about I Eminem like, and Eight Mile? Will, will sure? I, I no, <laughs> not for me. Will Smith, uh, in wild, like wild a West. lot of a lot of movies, but not that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, what? I'm just gonna go off grid though because I want to br- bring attention to a movie that I think is really underrated. Uh, and uh, Haley Steinfeld in The Edge of Seventeen, which I think is like a really good coming of age movie that no one saw except me. Uh, no, did you see it, Kevin? With Woody Harrelson, Jerry yes, Sedgwick, he's the dad, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, Woody Harrelson is like a high school teacher. Oh, yeah, he plays high school. Yeah, they have the uh, kind of flipping he's back like and the, forth. Right. Yeah, he's like the high school teacher that that she really likes or whatever. And then, uh, Keir, yeah, I I think this movie is really good, and I think people should watch it. And I think Haley Seinfeld is really good in this movie. Um, a lot of people probably did, in in our a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably don't know who she is because. Because uh, her music and acting is like outside of the realm, but she was Gwen's uh, Spider Gwen, Gwen Stacy, and Spider Man into the Spider. She was the well. lead in the Hawkeye TV show that, uh, that wasn't Hawkeye. Oh yeah, yeah, she's Kate Bishop. Yeah, I Kate will Bishop. agree. She did some. She did a lot of work in this movie. She was asked to carry a lot in this, and her performance, uh, like if her performance wasn't good, it wouldn't work. Uh, also, didn't she play the? Um, she was the uh, the female lead in uh, New Grit. And Bumblebee, yeah, Trigger, yes. Trigger yeah, was like the her Trigger remake. Yeah, that was she did really well in that too. I like, think that was, was her first, role. wasn't it? That was like her first yeah. role. Yeah. She was really good. So anyway, um, 
I don't know if her music even came first. I just know she's a musician and a and an actor. So pick. anyway, uh, all right, let's do our two together. What do you guys think? Okay, so we have to put Boogie Nights in. I agree. Mark uh, Mark Wahlberg is in. Yes, yeah, see, I knew I could do it. <laughs> and so uh, a few other ones. Hey guys, you hey guys, do you, like, do, you like, do you like my movie? Do you like, <laughs> if you keep doing this, we're that's gonna a put pr- him in for that's the fighter pr- instead. That's a prosthetic. <laughs> it made it, it, it sm- look smaller. That didn't make it look smaller. <laughs> Him and Willem Dafoe out there intimidating people. Um, uh, I also think we should take consideration. Uh, we're in Al Yankovic in UHF. Okay. Uh, okay. What a weird movie, but like he had to do a lot of work in that, and he was definitely a musician first. And then the only Andre, Bowie film Andre we have three. to consider is Labyrinth. What about Sting in uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? No. Mm, no. Uh, I think that, that's an awesome performance. Though. I have one that isn't going to win, but I just kind of want to bring it up. Uh, Bjork in Dancer in the Dark. The, that and Ice Cube and uh, Boys in the Hood immediately came to mind for me. Uh, Lars von Trier directed and wrote uh, Dancer in the Dark. It's uh, a musical. It has Bjork in it. Uh, she's the lead. Uh, it's also got that guy from uh, who did the Volkswagen commercials that Nathan used to really love. Mm-hmm. You know who it is? Uh, the guy from uh, Fargo. Anyway, uh, that movie's a- it's a Lars von Trier movie, so it is a bummer. It's an absolute downer, but uh, I like that movie. I thought it was can really we, solid. Can I throw a wrench in like every everything, everything that we are uh, we are doing right now? Mm-hmm. What's that? Wow, Ludacris in the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, I had that as one to consider. Uh, there's also apparently a J-pop uh, singer in uh, Tokyo Drift. Um, what about yeah. Ice T for New Jack City? Okay. I'm uh I don't know. I, I enjoyed Styles it. Was, I wouldn't put him up there. Harry Styles was good in uh in Dunkirk. He he was Did you know Dunkirk. that did you, did you guys know that Idris Elba's got to start as like a as like a club DJ? Yes. Really? Yeah. Which I I mean he is he is extremely good. Yeah. Um still DJs. Uh I mean if we're going if we're going like uh you know, we don't know what came first. Uh I I mean Jamie Foxx, Django Unchained. I feel like that's kind of like Jamie Foxx is a good one. And I did Jamie Foxx. Jamie, Fo- I think I don't know. Did I thought he was a comedian first? I think he was. That's why I'm thinking. Eh, I don't know if it counts. Well, Frank, well, Frank Sinatra. Just, just kidding, guys. Oh, sh- start uh, with Starstruck. Is that Moonstruck? Uh, that's Moonstruck. That's the share movie. That's a good oh, one, I would, right? I would put Mask up above Moonstruck. I put, I put Burlesque above them both. Uh, hey, it sounds like Cher is making it. All right, let's put Sharon just just because. All right, what we'll, about... do, we'll do wait, we'll do burlesque with uh, Cher and Christina Aguilera. Oh, nice, sweet. What about Alanis Morissette in uh, in Dogma? And what that is the it? end. Thank you for stopping by. <laughs> some some great speaking lines. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, for for Kevin, for Eric, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna repeat the five. We gotta go <laughs> for Kevin for Eric. We will see y'all next week. Go Hawks. 